show is called Making Money. The financial coach is Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We're trying to do a show that gives people a little bit of background on investing, how to plan for your financial future, especially if you're somebody that hasn't entered into investing, some of the things you should consider along the way. And this show, I'm kind of looking forward to this one, Ron, because uh, it's very near to near and dear to my heart for obvious reasons, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's talk a little bit about investing and how we should be looking at the world today and what's a good investment and what's a dying investment. Well, if you've lived and watched the last 20 years... A lot of changes. The changes have just been amazing, and it keeps accelerating. And so, the digital the digital revolution is a big part of that, obviously. And the digital revolution is taking old businesses and turning them into, as the old saying goes, buggy whip businesses. You know, when the car came along, uh, virtually anything associated with horses, wagons, things like that, it didn't take them long to disappear. And the chase pace of change has accelerated so dramatically. And so what we're saying and want every investor to do occasionally is look at their portfolio and to just do an inventory. Look at the areas that are dying. Those industries that have been succumbed to the technology revolution. And over time, start weeding those out of your portfolio. It's like canoeing. Is if you're in a canoe or in your boat and you're going down the river, if you want to go faster, you get in the fast part of the current, you stay out of the backwater. And same holds true with your portfolio. If you want to get better returns, you tend to focus on areas of the economy that are growing and you tend to try and prune out of your portfolio those areas where that are really backwaters that you're not going to see any growth and where often you just these areas are on a slow, steady decline over time. And if you're stuck there, you're just not going to get any forward traction in your portfolio. Let's talk a little bit about those that are, if you will, almost on life support. And and right at the top of the list has to be newspapers. Anecdotally, just last night, my wife and I were at a function downtown Edmonton. And we were leaving. We went by the Edmonton Journal building. And I remember when I came to Edmonton in the mid-70s, uh, in the in the radio business, I mean, the journal was just a powerhouse. It had won a Pulitzer Prize a couple of decades before. I had so many friends that were writers there, reporters, and and it it. I said to my wife last night, I saw the sign on the side of the building, and it was flickering. It needs a little bit of help, and I said, boy, there's an example of a once mighty empire that has really, well, it's gone the other way. And most newspapers haven't done that well the last few years. There's some community newspapers where you get local advertising, and those seem to have held up. But the only newspapers that seem to have done well are, frankly, some of the U.S. papers where they give you a constant diet of Donald Trump. Donald Trump has done more for the for the newspaper industry, especially the Washington Post and the New York Times, and the yeah. New York Times, and probably the L.A. Times. Both, and they're all papers that concentrate on the coastal areas of the the uh, U.S. footprint. They you get a copy of it, and there's page after page after this investigation, that investigation. Trump's uh, hiding taxes. He's doing stuff uh, on with the U. 
Ukraine that he shouldn't be doing. He wants to hold a, a G20 conference in one of his own buildings, colluded with the Russians, on and on it goes. And this stuff just recirculates. And of course, I think those are the, some of the few papers where the actually the the people that subscribe to it has actually gone up the few first few years. Their digital subscriptions have gone up, and I should digress to the fact that I mean I know the journalists gone to the digital platform as well, but the the big thing I think that has really impacted newspapers is the loss of revenue due to the digital revolution. I mean, remember the want ads? There yeah. used to be sections in the paper that would be two and three sections deep on the weekends. Now everybody's going on to Craigslist or or Kijiji or whatever else you choose. That business really dried up, and that was a huge impact on them. It looks like unless you can report about Donald Trump, <laughs> you got nothing left. <laughs> you got nothing left. It, those are tough industries to be in. Okay, let's talk about mutual funds. There, you have that on your list of dying industries, and we've talked a little bit about that. Mutual funds have fallen out of favor with a lot of people. Basically, they've fallen out of favor because of their fees, and yeah, their fees are high. Exchange traded funds are. Uh, often the fees are a tenth of what mutual funds are. So if you take a look at the industry, you'll see that year over year that the withdrawals tend to exceed the amount of money that's going in. And when you've got an industry like that, over time, it just erodes your profit away. Uh, the last couple of years, since Trump got in especially, markets had a big move. And so assets have gone up, which, have, which has helped um, essentially slow the decline. But that's just one industry that's very, very tough to be in because there's a lot of products and it's a very, very competitive business. And some of the funds now are literally offering no fee ETFs, no fee at all, no fee trading accounts. Like how do you compete with that? So this is an area of the market where, frankly, if you own some stocks that are focused on funds, mutual funds, it's probably a good time to head to the sidelines. A lot of them have paid good dividends, so you've been well rewarded along the way with cash flow. But here again, this is an industry in a long, slow decline. The next one is near and dear to my heart, and that's the radio business. Uh, broadcasting has fallen upon tough times. There are just absolutely no debating that issue. And, you know, I've got four kids that are between the ages of 28 and 31. And I asked them if they listened to the if they've listened to the radio in the last year. The answer was no, not even once in the last year. They don't watch TV. Uh, three of the kids are on their own. They don't have cable. They get their uh, they get their everything is online now. So you know what's listening the, to streaming music services or they've downloaded their own stuff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah or they, they they get pirated stuff. And they don't. Uh, so it's it's tough. Very, very tough industry to be Broadcasting's in. Broadcasting's had a tough go. Bookstores. Uh, you and I were just talking about books before we started this episode. Uh, I'm still a book lover. Uh, you, you're a voracious reader. I'm a voracious reader. But the retail book business, I mean, we just had a, you know, a couple of the big, if you will, well, chapters. That's what I'm talking about. They've closed stores. Like the, Things are changing. Yeah, and across the U.S., you're finding that more and more people are going to e-readers. They're buying books online. Personally... I like a book that, uh, well, like I've got a book in my bag here. In fact, 
Physical books. I for every three books I read, I at least, I I try to make a point of reading one physical book as opposed to two e-reader books. I and I'm I'm probably the reverse. I think I read three or four physical books to one e-reader book. Okay, well, so there, yeah. I still like the physical books. In fact, we we talked about uh, in a previous show here books to put in your. Christmas stocking, yeah. Christmas stocking stuffer, and I've got Peter Drucker's book in my bag here, and I've been, uh, I've been going back and reviewing some of the things in that book. So you know, books are are terrific, but the market for them is absolutely shrunk, and uh, the margins because you get an online book uh, for such low costs now that it's very difficult. And if you, in fact, you know, I I like to go to used bookstores, and interestingly enough. I used to take the books that I'd read and I'd recycle them. So I'd come back, I'd pay five bucks for them. They'd give me a dollar a book or a dollar and a half, and then they would credit that toward my, my next books. Now, none of the place, bookstores that I, I go to that did that, none of them will pay me even a cent for the books. They say I can donate them to them. And two of the bookstores say, we got so many books here, we're not even taking donations anymore. You know, the market for them is just dried up. They can't even find people to buy the used books and you can, it's hard to even to recycle them now. So here's another industry where you, you just don't want to go there with your money. Okay, let's talk about big box retailing. Retail has... Uh has had a tough go, and, and all you have to do is drive around and see, well, you think of like Sears as an example here in Canada. Big, big store. Now they're gone, and there are likely to be more casualties along the way. Here again, you've had the digital revolution. Uh, young people are buying online, and they're buying things that I never would think of buying online. Like, I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot four. So if I'm going to buy a dress shirt, or I'm going to buy a suit, or I'm going to buy shoes... You want something that fits properly. I'm going to walk into the store and try it on. And, you know, most of us of that generation just think, well, I'm going to go and then I'll walk out of the store once with something that fits. Well, young people today, they'll go and they'll order something online. And if they don't like it, they'll send it back. And they'll do that two or three times before they find something that fits. It's just a cultural divide the way we looked at how we wanted to shop and how they're shopping. So... The U.S. especially is over-retailed, has about three times as much retail space the last time I looked as places like Europe does. The consumers are reaching to the point where they can't, they can't carry any more debt. So without debt growing, the, the amount of shopping that they can physically do is slowing down. And as well as the baby boomers get older, you know, the light bulbs are starting to come on out there and people are saying, you know... I think I'm going to have to curtail going to uh, the shopping center and getting some retail therapy, and I'm going to walk down to my bank and I'm going to put some money in my savings account. So you're seeing that trend as well. Okay, and you do note some exceptions uh, to big box retailing. Uh, we've talked often in the past about Walmart. They're big box stores, and they, they just keep chugging along. And I know you're a big believer in things like uh, Canadian tire stores, right? Like hardware stores. Hardware stores, auto parts, dollar stores, and stores that cater to as times get tougher and people have less disposable income, they tend to go to places where they get the best deals. So there are definitely exceptions to the rule. But in the U.S., they're saying that half the malls could close. Half. You know, that's a number. We'll see whether that projection actually carries out. But there's a lot of malls that are being repurposed. They're being knocked down. Condos are being put up because the land is worth something. It's just nobody wants to shop there anymore. 
Okay. Cable and regular TV. The cable cutting has been going on at a furious rate with streaming services out there, and there's more and more of them all the time. You look at this year. Apple is announcing a streaming service, $4.99 a month. Uh, you've got AT&T is coming out with a streaming service. You've got Disney, Crave, Disney yeah. and Amazon Prime. And the list goes on and on. And, of course, Netflix. Yeah, yeah and, of course, Netflix. And this is going to become a very, very crowded space. And it's going to push out or continue to push out cable and regular TV. So those are industries that are just, you know, it's hard to see how they're going to compete when you get so many other players in the industry. Usually what it means, your profits drop because you got to compete on price. Well, and the one thing that I guess that, you know, and, and this goes to radio and to television, local television, is you want your local news. But there's going to be ways to get that online, I'm sure. Well, it's already online. So that business model has had to do a lot of modifying, and, and it's a little bit troubled. Coal mining. Well, <laughs> what more can we say? It's, it's, no pun intended, a black mark out there, to be honest. You know, and of course, Trump... Uh, one of his election platforms was to... He was going to bring back more coal mines. He was yeah. going to bring back more coal mining, and that just hasn't happened because the profitability and just the environmental issues and your, the, the costs of reclamation have gotten so high and the lawsuits involved that it's definitely a business that's dying. And, of course, you've got electrical utilities that are powered by coal. And same thing. I mean, you look at here in Alberta... You know, over the next decade, uh, we're, we're getting out of that completely. And, of course, there are some places that you can go to, like China, but even they, they look like the amount of coal-fired electrical generating plants are stopping, and they're replacing it with uh, natural gas, they're replacing with electricity, wind, and nuclear. So this is just a tough space to put any money. We talked about shopping malls. What about the taxi industry? Well, here again, you know, Airbnb has not replaced the hotel industry, but... It's taken a big chunk of their business. It's taken a chunk out of their business, but in taxis, there's some places like, uh, like last time I was in Atlanta, uh, I phoned and tried to get a taxi out of the hotel. I couldn't. Like, there was just, there was so few around, and uh, the guy I was standing out front of the hotel with who had ordered Uber and was kind enough, we, we jumped in and shared a ride with him. Uh, he said that, I can't remember the last time anybody down here has used a taxi. So there's some places where taxi companies have virtually become extinct. Some places have fought it off like Vancouver, but they expect Uber to be there by next year. And so it's a very, very tough environment for, for taxis because uh, those algorithms are so so good that typically the experience is better with has historically been better with Uber than it's been with a lot of taxis. So Ron, there's the industries that are are really facing uh, some tough times. Those that we would categorize as dying industries. On the other side of the equation, there are industries that are making money and that are continuing to grow, and that's what we'll touch upon in our next episode. So join us next time around on Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.